Government. We all know it's important to understand, be it state, local, or national, but doesn't the thought of it just make you want to, well, drink? If so, you're in the right place. I'm Angel Romero, your politics and pints aficionado, and this is Ballots and Brews, where we'll talk all things local beer while also diving into what in the world is happening at the local, state, and national government and what you can do about it. It's Schoolhouse Rocks meets The Daily Show meets C-SPAN, so let's get this show started. to another edition of Balance and Brews. We've got another exciting show on tap tonight. We're always excited to get to visit uh, with members of the Shawnee County Legislative Delegation, so we are excited to have State Representative Andy Keither as one of our guests on tonight's show. And of course, we'll be recapping all the craziness in state and local government this week. But before we get to any of that, we're going to start like we always do with beer. And tonight, we are so excited to welcome our friend Katie uh, back to the show from Celtic Fox. Katie, thanks for hanging out with us tonight. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I know you guys have had a, a busy week. Uh, and part of that is you guys are celebrating a big remodel um, at the Celtic Fox. Can you, can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. We are super excited to have this new reinvigorated space to work with. Um, they did an absolute excellent job um, keeping the traditional family murals from the original Fox and the same feel, but incorporating some new seating and some more kind of modern um, fun stuff to the space. And so it is just really exciting to, you know, see this transition take place. Absolutely. I was going to say, and, and, you know, and check out the pictures and everything. It's cool because, you know, there is that, that still that nostalgia, the tradition that's there, but, you know, a lot of new things too, a lot of uh, the space looks a lot brighter too. You know, it almost looks bigger, even though it's the same, the same space, but lots of kind of modern design elements in there. Well, taking that that raised section out just really opened the front floor up. And it's just amazing how open and airy things feel. And then they've taken the private rooms and redone those. The lounge space upstairs is just a really cool kind of private hangout spot now. And it's just there's so many things that have such potential. We're just so excited. Absolutely. I was going to say that that was one of the things I think impressed me the most, too, is seeing uh, uh, the upgrades to that event space. Space. You know, for folks who aren't aware, you might have seen the space downstairs, but there is also that lounge space upstairs. How many people can you hold in that upstairs space? Um, we've got seating for 30 people. There's also some soft seating and some kind of high tops along the wall. So, you know, a small group, but still definitely enough for to put a group up there. Absolutely. And it sounds like I know you guys had a big kind of great opening celebration on Tuesday night. What was everyone's thoughts on Tuesday? How'd that go? It went really well. I was really surprised by how many people turned out. Um, things went smooth. We got great feedback from everybody about, you know, the way things looked and we're, you know, just another step and pushing forward. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I know people are eager to kind of get back to our, our normal routines after two years of kind of craziness uh, that we've had and kind of interruptions and that sort of thing. Of course, the legislature now is is back in session. So have you seen business kind of pick up as, as uh, the sessions uh, started back up? Most definitely. Um, lunchtime has greatly improved um, as far as traffic and a lot of uh, catering's coming in. And so it's just really turned up all over the place. Awesome. I was going to say, it's got to feel pretty good. It does. It does. It's been a quiet two years. We are glad <laughs> to be back in it. Absolutely. Well, of course, one of the things that uh, Celtic Fox is renowned for is their food. Um, and so can you remind folks out there, if, if it's been a little while for, since some folks have been, can, can you remind folks of some of the food specials and things that they can check out? Absolutely. Um, we put out a new menu with the, the remodel. And so we kept a lot of our traditional, you know, the fish and chips and the shepherd's pie and the stuff that's near and dear to people's hearts. Um, never going to change our Reuben, that type of stuff. But then we added some some exciting new stuff, a lot more vegetarian options than we've had in the past, um, some different wraps. Um, so it's just kind of broadened the the horizon as far as the food is concerned, which is really exciting to see people trying different things and, and loving it. Uh, we still do our 
our taco Thursday, every Thursday from three to nine, we've got the dollar fifty hard shell beef tacos. Um, we've got our catfish Friday. Um, and that's basically about where we are with food specials as we're going to kind of keep building on that and trying to, to come up with some really cool things to do. We've started doing a, a Washburn Wednesday night okay. um, that starts about nine o'clock. Um, just kind of designed for college students in town. We've got some cornhole boards and different uh, giant Connect Four sets and just some different fun things to try and, and bring some different life to downtown. Oh my gosh, I love that. That's awesome. Especially that Washburn students come down there. You know, as we, as we try to get Washburn board connected with downtown. That's That's awesome. Well, we're hoping that it'll it'll keep growing. We had our first night last week, and it was great. And so we're getting ready to do one again tomorrow. And we hope that we can, you know, just continue to grow on that. Maybe throw in some theme nights, just some real fun stuff. Absolutely. And this is also reminding me of how old I am. Because like, oh god, nine o'clock. That's like I gotta start like winding down <laughs> for the day. Like, right. <laughs> those were the days, man. Oh, I know funny. when we were that young and didn't go out until after nine. <laughs> Right. Can't imagine. Oh, that's funny. Well, and then of course your your drinks. You know, any drink specials that you want to remind uh, folks about? Um, we have margaritas on special with Taco Thursday. We've got two fifty domestic drafts every Monday through Friday for happy hour from four to seven. We've got shop specials every day, and we are getting ready to release a new cocktail menu where we're kind of mixing old traditional cocktails like sidecars and old fashions with some of our custom stuff that we do in house and, and just really having fun playing with stuff and getting creative. Oh, that's awesome. Well, it is cool. Like, yeah, kind of like the whole, the whole theme of the restaurant kind of mixing the old and the new together. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of what we were going for. So we're in the final production process of that. I hope to see that you know, within the next week or two. Awesome. Well, and of course, I, I know a big day on, on your guys' calendar. It's hard to believe it'll just be in a couple of weeks, but we'll have St. Patrick's Day. Uh, so no, oh, yes. big day for you guys. Yeah, so what's, uh, what do the plans look like for you on that day? Well, it's keeping with tradition, we're on Parade Day, which is March 12th. We're closing um, 8th Street down in front of our location. Um, we'll have a stage set up. Chance Encounter is going to play from 1 to 5. They always really rock the crowd out and are a lot of fun. We'll have beer gardens and um, Aunt Nancy's face painting is going to be there and just lots of good Irish fun, um, you know, fish and chips and all that stuff. And then that night, Sloppy But Lucky is going to play inside the pub starting at nine o'clock so we're taking it from the parade during the day and pushing it on through the night making just a whole event out of it awesome that's so cool yeah it's great to be able to have irish fest back this year fully you know after after taking some time off and have things just downtown in the plaza too i think it's going to be great so it's exciting to see all that stuff coming back now we are so excited. I mean, it's basically been three St. Patty's that we, you know, have missed out on. So we are pumped and excited. Absolutely. Absolutely. You can just hang out. There's an excuse to hang out there all day long, which is pretty awesome. That's the goal. Very cool. Okay. Thanks again for hanging out with us tonight. Absolutely. I appreciate you having us and we hope to see you guys come down and check out the new space. Absolutely. Yeah, for those out there listening, of course, make sure to like and follow uh, Celtic Fox on social media. Make sure to check them out on Facebook. They've got all kinds of great pictures up there of their new space, all the new renovations up there. Um, and make sure to come and check out some of those cool nights, those activities they have going on. So lots of really good stuff uh, happening in that space, just right downtown, kind of catty quarter from the state capitol uh, downtown. So make sure to check them out. Um, in the meantime, go ahead and stay tuned. After this break, we're going to be back with our beer flight of the night. Remember, you're listening to Ballots and Brews here on KSEF 75 Live Radio. 785 Magazine is proud to present KSEF Digital Radio, Topeka, Kansas. That's the thing you're listening to right now. And we're celebrating everything local and everything Topeka. Learn more at 785live.com and thanks for tuning in. Alrighty, folks, it's time for our beer flight of the night. And as always, we've got a lot to talk about. So we're going to go ahead and get started. Our first beer tonight is the Mini Train Pale Ale. 
uh, as we've talked about before, there may be nothing more to begin than our love for Gage Park Mini Train. Uh, but our beloved Mini Train is in need of some TLC. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we recapped the extensive work that has been done to keep everyone's favorite train running, including the uh, city maintenance employee who took time away from his family over the 4th of July weekend and even took the transmission out of his own truck uh, to use it to power the train, uh, just so that families wouldn't miss those precious uh, memories together. Uh, well, the Capital Journal uh, has all the scoop on the latest in our mini train saga. Uh, remember, just like our friends at the city, the feds are also going to make it rain ARPA dollars, those uh, dollars from the American Rescue Plan Act on the county government as well. Uh, the county has previously voted to allocate $650,000 toward the mini train. Uh, you'll remember there was an extensive discussion at a uh, uh, previous county commission meeting where this came up that revolved around things like rather we can just fix up the train or do we just replace the train altogether? But if we replace it, can we replace it in such a way that it still helps people rekindle their fond memories of the past train? This was some serious business, y'all. Uh, at last week's county commission meeting, uh, Shawnee County Parks and Rec Director Tim Lorett uh, advised commissioners that it looks like the replacement option is probably the way that we're going to have to go, considering how old the train is and the ability to get all the parts we need and get them installed. Now, bears mentioning that the new and improved mini train would come with all kinds of features, including, and I'm quoting uh, from the article here, quote, grandparent-friendly passenger cars. Spare no expense, y'all. Uh, I, I share this news partly just because it is kind of funny uh, and also charming how much we care about the choo-choo train, uh, but also just as an example of how much money is pouring into Shawnee County for this American Rescue Plan Act. Remember, the city, uh, on their own, they're getting $45 million. The county is getting a little over $16 million altogether. So $45 million to the city, $16 million to the county. And this isn't factoring in any state relief dollars that both the city and county might be eligible for. Um, so all that to say, your local leaders are going to be making lots of decisions about how lots of money is going to be spent in our community in the coming weeks and months. So now is a pretty good time to be, pay, to be paying attention to all those things. And I can just see the ratings for Public Access Channel 4 going through the roof as we speak. Uh, our next three beers on tonight's flight are actually courtesy of the fact that it was turnaround week uh, this week at the Kansas Legislature. Uh, that's right. If you heard the fate streams of Bonnie Tyler playing in the background. It's because this Thursday marked, or this past Thursday, um, our turnaround day, uh, the date by which all bills in the legislature must pass their house of origin in order to continue on in the legislative process. Uh, there are some exceptions, those bills that are deemed hashtag must, uh, but we'll talk about those more later. Uh, so courtesy again of the Tobago Capital Journal, we're recapping a couple of bills uh, that were worked on in that kind of mad dash uh, to turnaround day. Uh, first up, we've got the uh, local control or not, Wheat. Um, if you follow Kansas politics enough, you know that often the mantra is local control, local government. Local governments are best suited to make decisions about their communities, get state government out of our way and out of our business. Um, and that's usually the guiding philosophy for the Kansas Republican Party until it isn't. Uh, the latest episode of that occurred this week as the Kansas Senate approved a bill that bans local governments from banning plastic bags. So that's a little double negative action there. So this bill bans local governments from banning plastic bags. Uh, now, bans on plastic bags have popped up in major cities across the United States, and actually eight states have banned plastic bags altogether. Um, as we've all become more environmentally conscious and realized the myriad of ways we've been causing destruction for Earth's environment, uh, measures like this have been kind of one small and simple way to reduce our use of a material whose decomposition time is like the dial-up internet of nature. So between that and the fact that we are so pro-local government in our legislature, you'd think that these kind of measures would be all good, right? But alas, under the guise of business uniformity, the legislature actually voted to support this ban on the bans. Uh, again, y'all, there's a lot of double negatives that are floating around in the legislature as they've been banning these kinds of local government actions, so it's kind of hard to keep up. Uh, ironically, the bill's author, Senator Renee Erickson, a state senator from Wichita, uh, said that such uniformity in businesses is needed in order to, to quote, provide a consistent regulatory environment for our businesses, and ultimately, customers can decide. I say ironic because the whole reason this bill even got brought up uh, is that Wichita, the city of Wichita had been considering a ban on plastic bags and actually conducted a survey where they found that, wait for it, 72% of residents would support a plastic bag ban. 
So it seems the people of Wichita did decide. But anyway, uh, we are on next to the No Knock Sour. Uh, you know, ever since the death of Brianna Taylor, an unarmed black woman who was shot in her apartment by Louisville police while mistakenly executing a No Knock warrant, the subject of No Knock warrants has been debated around the country. Now, as a reminder, a No Knock warrant is a type of search warrant that allows police officers to enter a home or other building without first knocking and announcing their presence uh, prior to coming in. These types of warrants are typically issued when doing the the type of knock when uh, when doing the typical knock-and-announce procedure would lead to destruction of evidence or would put officers' lives at risk. Now, four states have actually uh, banned the use of no-knock warrants altogether. Uh, as you can imagine, this is a divisive issue. Uh, on one side, you have law enforcement who argue that no-knock warrants are a vital tool to their job. Uh, they're used in situations, for instance, involving dangerous drug dealers who may be armed and where knocking on the door and alerting them to the presence of police might put the lives of police officers in danger. Uh, on the other hand, there have been instances, as in the case of Brianna Taylor and also the case of Amir Locke, uh, where mistakes happen. Police show up at the wrong house and end up killing or severely injuring a completely innocent person in the process. Uh, the legislation being considered by the House was actually a bill that would lengthen the window in which law enforcement can apply for a search warrant, and this no-knock uh, provision was introduced as an amendment to that bill. Um, the amendment did not pass, so uh, we should note that that amendment did fail to pass, uh, but it is likely that this is going to continue to be something that is discussed um, in future years. And of course, our final beer flight of the night is the Robot Stout. Uh, file this under the technology is getting too real, y'all, file. Uh, the Senate considered a bill last week that would create a new law related to personal delivery devices, aka delivery robots. I'm not gonna lie, this is both cool and also totally freaks me out at the same time. Uh, if you haven't, if you haven't seen what we're talking about here, um, go ahead and get on YouTube and look up something called Amazon Scout. Um, it's Amazon's delivery robot. It's basically this little blue thing that goes around on wheels and is about the size of a cooler and it uses pedestrian areas like sidewalks to basically go around and deliver your packages all on its own. Uh, FedEx has one too. Theirs is called Roxo. Uh, the bill in the Senate would basically would help our laws catch up to the times and it would exempt these little robot device steel thingies uh, from having to comply with the same motor vehicle laws that apply to cars and other vehicles. Um, the measure did pass the Senate, despite some opposition from those who felt they really didn't have time to vet the bill. Um, it also, of course, helped that Amazon had lobbyists who made the rounds around the Capitol to talk to legislators as well. Uh, one interesting note, the bill is specifically written to allow these robots to operate but local city government could ban their operation. Remember, we talked earlier about how much we love city governments. Uh, so city governments could ban the operation of these little robot guys if they wanted to. Um, in fact, one of the arguments made in support of the passage of this bill was just that, the fact that cities could ban their operation if they wanted to. Curiously, do you want to know who made that comment? It was none other than our friend Senator Renee Erickson, the same senator we just talked about a few minutes ago that offered the bill banning cities from being able to ban plastic bags. So we will see how long that logic lasts. Uh, can I just say that it is only a matter of time before these little robot vehicles become self-aware and start judging us for the things we order or breaking into our houses. I, this whole thing freaks me out. I've seen those movies. Uh, everything's all good and well until you're laying in bed and then you get Amazon Scout notification and you're like, eh, whatever, I'll deal with it later. Next thing you know, the robot breaks into your house and it's in your room looking you in the face and it's going, why would you ignore me? You want your package, don't you? Just saying, I don't trust these little robots or any of these like AI things that we're coming up with. This is when I'm like 185 years old, y'all. Anyway, uh, these are just a few of the mad dash of bills that were considered in the run-up to Turnaround Day last week. Um, oddly enough, I'm not even sure how to use these words in a sentence, uh, but the legislature actually finished up their work uh, er early? Uh, they were actually done a whole day before turnaround day, which is unheard of. Uh, normally, there's marathon sessions in both the Senate and the House that end up going way late into the night, and then you get to marvel at how some septuagenarian member of the legislature can stay up to one in the morning while also crafting state policy. Uh, now, as I mentioned earlier, certain bills are hashtag blessed and exempt from the turnaround process. So, some of our favorites from earlier in the session, things like the food sales tax are likely to still leave 
linger on uh, throughout the rest of the session. Um, and of course, don't forget that there are all kinds of magic tricks that legislators can pull too. Uh, we've talked before about the bet and go maneuver. Uh, so even if a bill didn't survive turnaround, it could still be substituted into a bill that did pass the turnaround deadline via the cut and go maneuver. Um, so as we always say, nothing is ever truly dead uh, until the end of the session. So stay tuned for that. And that, folks, is our beer flight for tonight. But stay tuned. After this break, we've got our convo with State Representative Amy Keithler, the longest-serving member of the Shawnee County Legislative Delegation. And it's a good one, so you'll want to stay tuned for that. Remember, you're listening to Ballots and Brews here on KSAP 75 Live Radio. Well, hey, everyone, we're back. And as we continue our chat with members of the Shawnee County Legislative Delegation these last few weeks, we are so excited to have on tonight State Representative Annie Keithler. Annie, thanks for being here tonight. Well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. Well, you know, as we get started, of course, this is your, your first Ballots and Brews appearance. And so could you share just a little bit about yourself, kind of your background, and, and what kind of convinced you to want to run for public office? Well, I'm a mother of two, and my husband uh, uh, taught law at Washburn University uh, for 27 years before he passed away. And so I was a stay-at-home mother and then ended up going to work for Kathleen Sebelius in her final four years in the Kansas house, which uh, was when the bug really bit. (laughs) And so I ran for office. I lost my first uh, race and uh, my children got sick of me complaining about <laughs> my opponent's voting record and so they said run again and I did so uh, <laughs> I ran and um, it, this is my 26th year. Awesome awesome again it's twice so you've gotten to see you know, especially these last 20 some years there's been so much uh, that's happened in, in uh, the legislature. What, what do you think's been your been your favorite part of those those last 20 some years? Oh, boy, that's a hard question because there have been <laughs> highs and lows and all of yeah, that. absolutely. Um, but, you know, it's it, 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 sometimes what you stop that is bigger than what you, you got. Sure. So um, um, I fought uh, Holcomb getting two coal plants. Uh, oh, gosh, mid, yeah. Mid uh, uh Two thousand um, and a couple of other things, but uh, you know, I uh, started out on utilities committee twenty six years ago, and I said, "Well, as long as you know, I know how to answer a phone and turn on a light switch." You know, okay, I'll serve. <laughs> and of course, you know, now I'm the ranking Democrat on that, and have been since two thousand six. So it uh, uh, it really has become something I've learned so much about, and and really enjoy and. And it affects everybody, so it really, you know, is important. Absolutely, it's a, an important issue in Kansas too, with the amount of resources we have here and and and, and that sort of thing. And so, it's, you know, you mentioned that Holcomb plan. My gosh, it took me back. I'd almost forgotten about uh, about oh. that whole uh, debacle <laughs> back in the day. Oh my goodness! Oh, man, what a bad, yeah, <laughs> what, no. yeah. But we were beginning, you know, renewable energy and in Kansas with its wind and now solar is such a prime spot to to build and uh, you know <clears throat> balance balance out the portfolio. So of what kind of of, you know, energy we use. So um, it, it, it meant a lot. Absolutely. Uh, and for folks too, um, who might not be familiar, can you describe kind of roughly where your legislative district is in the, in the county? Sure. I am right in the middle of, of the city. I'm over by Washburn University. Yeah. Um, and my boundaries are to the west, uh, Gage Boulevard, to the north, the river, to the east, Topeka Boulevard, and to the west. Uh, oh, well, that was Gage Boulevard. Where did I miss out? Oh, south. <laughs> south. Uh, 21st Street, uh, uh, just on one side, where, uh, which is Washburn University. So. Oh, how cool is it to get to represent Washburn? Oh, well, it yes. That that, you know, uh, Washburn Law School was such a part of my, my family. And yeah. so to be able to do that. And uh, Jerry Farley came in, President Farley came in just right at, at about the same time I started. So um, <clears throat> I, I met him early on and... Um, We've been we've been working together for almost a total of twenty six years. Oh, that's so, awesome! 
Yeah. Well, you know, of course, in this current legislative session, you know, we uh, just reached a big one of those big milestones in the session with turnaround day being being yesterday. You guys actually finished a little early uh, ahead of turnaround day, which uh, kind of caught me off guard. I was expecting maybe a late night uh, on uh, turnaround day, so that was that was that was kind of unexpected there. Uh, yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, what do you What do you think you've been uh, kind of most pleased with so far in the session, and what do you think's been kind of the most disappointing thing or the most challenging thing so far? Well, the the most challenging and disappointing thing is always that we never get a chance to uh, put forward Medicaid expansion. Mm. Um, uh, we uh, we get turned down every time we can't debate it. They they won't let us debate. They won't do it. We can't do anything with it. Uh, and we try and try. I voted for it twice already, and they just won't bring it to the floor. Uh, mm. They know it would probably pass. Uh, the surrounding we're, every state that we touch on or surrounding us has passed Medicaid expansion. Expansion. So we are a uh, an island in the middle of all of that that does not provide that for our our constituents. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. What do you What do you think? Is there anything that you think's gone uh, gone well, or that surprised you in the, the last few months? Uh, no, it's been pretty much what I thought it was going to be. Um, um, uh, the, the leadership is, uh, the Republican leadership is being very careful about what they're going to let us talk about. Mm. Uh, uh, and, you know, in, in, because the driving factor in all of this is, is the maps. So, um, uh, what, they're being very careful and lim- not, not, not really doing, as you said, we got out of there early. That was really a surprise, but that's <laughs> the example of, uh, that I'm, you know, supporting that, you know, they're being careful about what we're going to be doing. And, and, uh, I think also that the, the speaker wants to get out if not on time, but probably early if he can. Sure. Well, of course, some folks, this is an election year, so some folks yep. have uh, campaign trails they want to get back that's to as right. well and, that's and that's fundraising right. as well. That, that feeds right into it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, speaking of some of those issues, we're going we're gonna to dive into some of those issues I know have been going on uh, these last couple of months. You know, this, this first one, of course, was something that that's been a, a hot topic for both parties and for the governor's office um, as well. So you, you, you are one of the, the House sponsors for HB 2487, which is one of the bills out there that would uh, repeal the sales tax on food and something, of course, mm-hmm. the, the governor wants. Both parties have said that they want. Can you talk about mm-hmm. kind of where where that issue stands right now? Um, and then do you think we'll actually see movement on that this session? Well, uh, I think perhaps we will. Uh, what kind of movement is questionable? Obviously, I support uh, repealing it in, in its entirety. And and actually, uh, that makes it easier for our Kansas businesses to uh, make the adjustment. Uh, I've heard that perhaps um, there will be a suggestion that we only repeal part of it. Um, but again, you know, that's obviously better than nothing, but again, it, you know, makes it, makes our businesses have to go through more steps because they've got to, you know, change how they, they deal with the change in, 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 you know, their equipment and everything else. So, um, it, to me, we have the money to do it. Um, and I would say that, my gosh, uh, you know, the, the governor was on ways and means for 14 years (laughs) and she knows the budget inside and out, upside down. And uh, she has given us uh, our printouts to see what, what happens with the budget. And we can afford to get rid of the entire sales tax on food. And that's what I hope we do. Sure, absolutely. Absolutely. And of course, I should mention for folks listening out there, we've talked about this before in my organization I work for, United Wave, here at Topeka as well, the proponents uh, behind that that measure as well. So we're, we're mm-hmm. uh, hopefully watching that with keen interest for sure. Yes, yes. Well, yes. And of course, you get the chance to sit on uh, the House Judiciary uh, Committee. And of course, they've been hearing all kinds of, of interesting things. Um, but there is an issue that I, I know is it's funny. It's something that kind of sounds like a niche issue, but it is of great interest, I know, to, to certain folks out there. Uh, it's this idea of uh, civil asset forfeiture. And uh, folks out there, you may have heard this before. And so this is uh, what oftentimes a unit of government may seize assets from a person who is either under investigation or has been convicted of a crime and they could seize. Uh, vehicles or cash or those kinds of things. Uh, the bill that was before the committee uh, this session would actually make it a little bit harder uh, for police departments uh, to do that. Could you talk a little bit kind of about the bill? Why is this issue so important for some folks? Well, <clears throat> I think the thought is that um, 
<clears throat> some people are targeted other, more than others, uh, getting pulled over on the interstate and getting things uh, uh, taken away. Um which is very because it happens when you're not convicted mm-hmm. of anything, and so you've now lost money or your car or you know which has a huge impact on what you can do with your life. Absolutely. And uh, others have thought that perhaps there were some police departments that uh, sort of did their budgeting with the money and things mm-hmm. they they got. Um, uh, that was vehemently dis- denied uh, this year. <laughs> Um, I have heard, oh my gosh, anywhere probably maybe to five to seven pieces of legislation concerning civil asset forfeiture. And this year, the main thrust of the bill, as you said, was to have a conviction before you can can actually take anything. And um, that was frowned upon by the law enforcement that it would be too complicated to do. And um, so essentially what happened this year, uh, Representative Gail Finney in Wichita has been the lead charge on this issue. And um, she's not on judiciary, but she's been very persistent. And so when she first started talking about this several years ago, uh, the issue was sent over to the Judicial Council mm-hmm. for study. And they studied it for two years. Okay. And, uh, at the end of that report, it said, we don't have this figured out. We still have a lot of talking to do. So mm-hmm. after we heard the bill this session, um, the thought was, uh, our Chairman Patton, uh, who is Shawnee County as yeah. well, um, uh, is suggesting that he's going to request that it get sent back to Judicial Council for more discussion. So those bills aren't going anywhere this session. Sure. Well, you know, it's, what's interesting is you mentioned there, there's kind of some different layers that I kind of forget sometimes about kind of the, the equity layer to that, too, when you think about how that issue can sometimes disproportionately affect different groups of people based on traffic stops are the like, too. And so it's one of those issues that there's kind of some different layers there. Absolutely. And that's that's <clears throat> that was the full thrust of, of Gail's um working on this that she wanted uh, equity and um, it's just not happening. Sure, sure. Well, and, so. you, and you also get the chance uh, to sit on the, the House Committee on, on Corrections and Juvenile Justice and uh, they have a, an interesting bill this year as well um, that would actually prohibit the use of restraints um, on juveniles during, uh, during certain hearings in certain situations. So can you talk a little mm-hmm. bit about that? Well, it's so fascinating. And my one thirty committee is corrections, and my three thirty is judiciary. So, going <laughs> from juvenile issues to grown up issues yeah. has been fascinating uh, <laughs> to to study the impact of law on on, on the different age groups. This bill um, uh, is really just again equity uh, <laughs> because. Well, they're children, by and large. Now, some of them have done some really heinous things, and that, that's, that's been talked about. But not all of them have. Sure. And to be brought into a courtroom with chains around your waist, your, your wrists, and your feet gives a, an image sure. to everybody in the courtroom that that person is guilty. Sure. And um, uh, I find that as prob- problematic. I, I'm not fond of that, especially when the judge already has the discretion to say, no, that person doesn't have, have to have chains on. <clears throat> and um, so what this was really trying to do, what all judges are different, all courtrooms are different. Um, and so uh, lawyers are different. So uh, uh, you can bring somebody into the courtroom with chains and say, you know, Your Honor, can we please take these off? And it's up to the judge to say yes or no. But on the other hand, it's also equity. I mean, yeah. you know, it, uh, again, gives a, a different um, uh, image and message. And I think it's it's not a good one. And you know, you're supposed to be innocent until proven guilty. So let's go for that. So um, anyway, I think uh, um, uh, that didn't go anywhere. I mean, we had a hearing, but it's not going anywhere unless it gets into a conference. We've had a hearing. So it's possible that if there's a conference committee doing corrections, it's in this sort of area and somebody wants to get it in there who will be 
on the conference committee. It's possible, sure. but um, you know, just don't know at this point. We're at turnaround. Things got blessed. This one didn't. But again, since we've had a hearing, uh, it's possible for somebody to try to do that. And we can try to do it on a, you know, before it comes into a conference committee. Anything else on the floor that's close to that, a Senate bill, sure. we could try an amendment to get it in. But sure. um, but right now we've had the hearing and it's sitting in committee. And of course, if, if it doesn't go anywhere, it dies this year because it you know it's right. our, our, it dies at the end of our two years, and and um, we'll have to come back again. Sure. Well, and as he said to you, what an interesting perspective for you to kind of see both ends of the the the, the criminal justice system and mm-hmm. you know the people mm-hmm. who are just maybe entering that system and the, and those folks who are on the the adult side as well. And, and you know, you're right. You know, thinking about when you're if you are a child, a juvenile mm-hmm. entering the and if that's your first experience with the criminal justice system, you know what that means for for that person and, and their perceptions mm-hmm. as well and, and all those kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it. Yeah. It. Yeah. We've done so much in the juvenile justice area, um, but we still have a long way to go. Sure. Long way to go. Sure. But well, we've been able to keep them out automatically going into the prison system, jail system, which is thank goodness. I mean that that's to the benefit of everybody. I think. Absolutely, it's a good thing the conversations are, are still going on too. So we're looking oh, forward sure. to to seeing what what happens from that. Yeah. Well, and of course, one of the things we were uh, excited about too, heading into the session, I think everyone was excited about was uh, we had a bunch of surplus. And so that was made folks kind of mm-hmm. excited that we had a, had a balance there. And, you know, of mm-hmm. course, now our, our, the job has been to make sure that we're, we're good stewards of, of those dollars and that we can kind of keep up that, that same uh, kind of fiscal responsibility that, that led us there. You know, based on what you've seen so far in the session, are you kind of convinced that we're on the right track of how we're managing that surplus and being able to kind of keep that same level of fiscal responsibility moving forward? Well, everybody always has their pet product that, pro- project that they'd love to see done. <laughs> so we have to look after that. But I'll tell you again, I will state, you know, as strongly as I can that the governor is fiscally responsible. And uh, she is not a spendthrift. She wants to make sure we have our rainy day fund backed up so we can, you know, that's in 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 position. And um, I, it is amazing what she has done in terms of economic development and, and broadening uh, the base of that uh, during COVID. I mean, she has brought jobs after jobs after jobs into this state and is still working on it. And so... Uh, and 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 honestly, you know, you look at our our report, our monthly reports on our budget, and we've been in in the positive in uh, all year. Sure, yeah, all year. But again, I will state she is very careful handling money, and um, uh, she will not spend it all. Sure. Absolutely not. No. Sure. Well, I know one of the things that was uh, was uh, difficult at first for legislators, I think, to kind of uh, wrangle with, you know, was dealing with the the, the makeup project uh, bill and that that package of incentives, and if folks, mm-hmm. you know, want to make sure that you know we're doing what we can to attract uh, business, but also making sure to not uh, to to not take away from that surplus too much. You know, are you are you happy with the the eventual outcome of that the bill that was passed? Well, I'll be happy, happy, happy if we get the project. Yeah, absolutely right. <laughs> you know that'll that'll really put a smile on my face because apparently it's it's pretty incredible. But um, you know that I know people have been fussing about that, but you know the way I look at it, you don't get it if you don't try. Sure. We have we have lost thousands, and I mean thousands of jobs because we haven't been able to attract projects and we've seen the we've seen the numbers yeah. and uh uh one 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 job we didn't get uh was over 20,000 employees Ooh. so this is, yeah. this is a big scale item and so you know uh uh d- does it make me a little nervous sure because it's a lot of money but it you know the, the We've also been known if this doesn't happen that we repeal things. Sure, yeah, right, absolutely. <laughs> take it away. You know, it right. can go away. So yeah, you know, and that's 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 all. That's a safety net. Yeah. Um, so, but um, we'll we'll have to see. I would hope that we'd hear something pretty soon. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, before we get out of here, we always like, of course, we have elected officials on to do a, a fun little lightning round uh, based okay. on your district. That works for you? 
Sure. All righty. So this first question we have, the, the favorite attraction in your district? My bed. <laughs> I, you know, and and I, I mean that with all my heart because people that serve in the legislature that aren't from here, you know, have to rent. Oh some gosh, places, yeah. You know, and having my head on my own pillow is is worth its weight in gold. Other <laughs> than that, one of them, I think one of the greatest things I have in my district is is Topeka High School. Oh gosh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, oh, this one's a tough one because you've got a lot of these in your district. Your favorite local restaurant? Well, you know, it, it's stayed and true, but, you know, Annie's Place. I mean, how, how can oh, I yeah. have something that's named after me? I mean, you know. <laughs> right, absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Now, I'm, now I'm really hungry for pie after you said that. Well, sir, you know, I'm so many that I've ordered for the holidays. Yeah, it's just amazing to walk in there and see all those pies waiting to get picked up. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see, your favorite, uh, favorite outdoor location in your district? Yeah, that's tough. But, you know, um, I've got some great parks in my neighborhood, my district. And, and you know, Collins Park has been a uh, my first house when I, uh, John and I were married was right across the street from the park. So uh-huh. it always just sort of had a little, little, little extra love there for me. So absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Um, another another hard question for, for your district, too. Favorite local business in your district? This is not hard. <laughs> I love Prairie Glass, and I'm oh, gosh. thrilled yeah. that it's in in the Gem Building because I, you know, uh, I got a lot of his old historic houses in my district, yeah. so things like that appeal to me greatly. Oh, that's awesome! Oh, yeah, they do they do such good work over there. Oh, they do, and and you can too. Yeah, I was gonna say absolutely. I know she. Yeah. Well, Bless her heart. She's always like, anyone could do art. I was like, you know, I'm willing to test that (laughs) hypothesis. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. It it never hurts to try. (laughs) Absolutely. And hey, you know what? I can always say that something is interpreted how I want it to be interpreted. So there we go. (laughs) Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's see. Uh, If you could pick, if you could describe your district in one word, what would it be? Diverse. Oh, I like that. Because it is. Yeah. Absolutely. A little bit of everything, and I love that. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, let's see. And last question. What is your hope for the future of your district? Well, you know, that 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 is a multi-layered uh, <laughs> question. Sure. Um, but, um, you know, that Washburn continues to thrive because it's a gem in the middle of this, this, this district. Well, on the edge of the district physically, but I mean, it, it, it is so special. Mm-hmm. And uh, but, you know, what I wish for this district because of its diversity is that it remains a good place to raise and live your, with your family. Sure. And um, I, I've been in this house for 45 years and um you know, I, I've told my kids I'm going out feet first, but because I love the neighborhood, I love the yeah. and and people have moved all, all around me, and it still is a place I don't want to leave. Yeah. So, um, I it, it and I feel that way when I'm walking door to door. I mean, um, I I have a book that I need to write uh, that's called uh, uh, Dogs and Doorbells Life <laughs> Campaign Trail, and draw pictures, pen and ink drawings of. <laughs> Of dogs that I've encountered, some <laughs> good, some not so good, and you know, because I have these old houses all over the the, the district, doorbells are fascinatingly different. Oh gosh, Victorian, <laughs> Victorian, elaborate Victorian ones that you press or or turn a knob. Or, I mean, <laughs> they're all just fascinatingly different. But I, I I'm not sure I'm going to get it written, but it's been <laughs> in my head for a long time. <laughs> that's, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Hey, thank you so much for, for hanging out with us tonight. Well, thank you for having me. It's been fun. And, and you know, uh, you know anybody who wants to come up and, and spend some time up at the Capitol, come on up. Um, <laughs> I, my my uh, office is on, in, in the, on the ground level, they call it. I call it the basement. Uh, <laughs> Which is actually one of the nicest, a great, a great office. Uh, we love it. And so uh, come on down. Uh, 
poke your head in, say hi. If you want to take a tour, we can get that arranged. You need somebody to to get the key to let you go all the way up. That's not open just to anybody. Yet, but, <laughs> uh, but yeah, come on down. It's a it's a people's building, and it is stunning. Absolutely, hey folks, you you heard it here. Come on, come on down and and visit Annie and visit our, our beautiful state capital while you're at it. <laughs> Well, everyone out there listening, go ahead and stay tuned. Up next, we are going to wrap things up like we always do with our Take Action Moment of the Night. You are listening to Ballots and Brews here on KSF 75 Live Radio. All right, everybody, we are going to wrap things up uh, as we always do with our Take Action Moment of the Night. Uh, And because we're in this new format now airing on Mondays, we get to give you a little preview of the week ahead. Uh, So uh, you've heard us talking the last few weeks about all these ARPA dollars the city of Topeka is getting. And of course, the last city council meeting, uh, they formally approved the process for moving forward with those dollars. Uh, Part of that process includes setting aside $10 million that will be granted out to nonprofit agencies in the community. The process of crafting the application that nonprofits will have to complete actually starts uh, tomorrow, Tuesday, March 1st at 1.30 p.m. with the City Council's Policy and Finance Committee meeting. Um, that's a committee that will actually be responsible for crafting the application and setting the criteria that nonprofits will have to meet. Um, that meeting will be televised on everyone's favorite public access channel 4 and will also be broadcast live on the city's uh, Facebook page. So we encourage you to tune in to see what the city is thinking, um, especially if you are affiliated with a nonprofit in the city that may want to take advantage of those dollars. Uh, Of course, equity will also be uh, of concern for many people, making sure that all organizations have an equitable chance to apply for those dollars. Um, So you may want to tune in to see how that process um, plays out as well. Um, And don't forget, you can submit comments to any of the city council members that sit on that committee as they're putting together uh, that application process. Uh, Also tomorrow night on Tuesday, the city council um, will be meeting. They have a brief agenda, uh, but they do have um, some important items items on there, probably one of their most important ones. Uh, They're actually going to be uh, discussing the hiring process for the new city manager. Uh, you'll remember that recently uh, the city did put out an RFP, a request for proposal, uh, to find executive search firms that will then assist in the search for the city manager. So remember, we're still at the beginning of this process right now. So right now we're trying to try to nail down the search firm who will then help us find the candidates for city manager. Uh, the city has received responses to that RFP. Uh, so tomorrow night they'll be hearing city staff's recommendations um, on which of the firms to go with. Um, there's four firms up for consideration. Um, including notably one firm from right here in Topeka. Uh, you'll recall the city council was pretty intent on trying to find a local search firm um, that could uh, that could help in that process. Um, so pretty exciting that, that that firm, that Topeka firm, is one of the four that is being considered. Um, the total cost for these firms uh, range, it looks like, anywhere from uh, around $23,000 to around upwards of $45,000. Uh, so this is a pretty big, the search is a pretty big expense uh, for the city. And so and for some of these these two, you know, they, there's a total cost and then there's an hourly cost and other charges that factor in there. So these charges, these uh, costs rack up uh, pretty quickly. Um, and of course, the city council has a, a pretty big decision ahead of them as kind of this being one of the first big steps in that process. Uh, so you definitely want to tune in Tuesday night to catch that discussion, see which search firm uh, they choose and why they choose it, how that search firm is going to operate. Um, as a reminder, the city council does meet tomorrow night at 6 p.m. You can always attend in person at the council chambers downtown, um, or you can watch on the city's Facebook page, or of course, as always, on public access channel four. Um, and just to note on uh, National Paul, of course, we, we talk a lot in here about state local government, but of course, it's, national stuff is you know super important as well. Tuesday night is State of the Union night. Uh, so Tuesday night, tomorrow night, will be Joe Pre- Joe, President Joe Biden's first official State of the Union address. Uh, so he gave an address last year that was kind of a joint address to Congress that presidents give after they get inaugurated, but it's at the official State of the Union. And so that address will come Tuesday night. It's a little later uh, this year, of course, because of the COVID palooza craziness and all that they want to kind of wait till we can actually get people together in the chamber, uh, which looks like uh, that will be possible on Tuesday night. Uh, And of course, what a time to give a State of the Union uh, speech, right? There's just a few things going on in the world. So it will likely be a fascinating uh, speech on Tuesday night. So you can catch that uh, speech airing Tuesday evening. I'm on all the major broadcast networks. Of course, if you follow us on social media, we'll be live tweeting with our own uh, thoughts as the State of the Union uh, goes on Tuesday evening. So be sure to tune in uh, to 
watch that as well. I'm sure that we will be sharing a drinking game uh, that involved that you can play while watching the State of the Union as well. So be on the lookout uh, for that as well on Tuesday. Uh, so that, folks, is our show for tonight. Thanks for tuning in here on our new time now, Mondays at 8 p.m. If you haven't already, be sure to follow us on social media. So look us up on Facebook, Balance and Brews, or on Twitter at, at Balance Brews. Uh, we, of course, uh, live tweet our shows on there and all kinds of other things. Uh, be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you, have, so you don't miss any of those episodes. Um, and if you like what you hear here, uh, feel free to leave us a review. Uh, but until next week, uh, please, please, please stay safe, drink some good beer, and we'll catch you next week here on Balance and Brews on KSAP 75 Live Radio. i
new beginning comes from some other beginning.